It's Monday morning, and whatever might be happening with Rob on the inside, the outside world doesn't stop. It's the usual scramble to get up and get moving. I'm trying to find Tyler's lunchbox. It's freezing in the living room, and the window is wide open. And then I realise there are things missing, and it dawns on me that we've been burgled. So here I am in the victim role. It's not even a serious crime, but still, I feel violated. The police are pretty matter-of-fact about it all. They say that the local kids who pull these jobs have recently been released from prison. They grew up in a local authority home, in care, if you can call it that, and I'm not sure you can. We are now approaching Plymouth. He's been in Liverpool, Dovegate... Leslie is a force of nature. Hanningswood, Dartmoor... She was a foster mum for many years to over 30 kids. The young offenders' places before he was 18. She really did care. Please take all your belongings... And she has never given up on one of the boys she's fostered. Exeter. Matt. Those are the ones I remember. Might be a couple of others as well. Prison Bag, episode four, Who Cares? And out of all of those, Holm House was the one where he did best and where he was happiest, I would say. Why was that? Because there was a prison officer lady there who took him under her wing and she's the only prison officer who has ever contacted me directly, given me her email address, and I've been able to speak to her directly. A quarter of the prison population has been in care during their childhood. Nice little journey down by the sea, isn't it? You know, by the time they get to 14 or 15 and they've been in care maybe since they were five or six, they're not normal children. You don't behave like normal children, you can't treat them like normal children. So it's not that sort of lovely, oh, here you are, I've made a lovely bedroom for you and you're going to be grateful to me. It's that white saviour thing, I guess. It's not like that, you know, it's a battle. What is the typical foster child, foster teenager like? Um, aggressive, hard. You know, they would see themselves as being hard, um, probably drinking, taking some sort of drugs, probably quite promiscuous, just not looking after themselves that well, very low self-esteem, probably not going to school that much, not liking authority, just wanting to do what they want to do, you know, a handful, you could say. <laughs> your worst nightmare, some people might say. It's having uncertainty and chaos in your home. That's what it's like. When you're living this life, you might see this place once or twice, you know. From a life in care, Matt may now be serving a life in prison on a sentence called an IPP. So an IPP, it stands for Indeterminate Sentence for Public Protection, and it was brought in by a Labour government as a way of keeping people in prison until it was felt they were safe to be let out. So um, it was a very common sentence at the time Matt committed his offence, which his offence was wounding with intent. And, And so you were given a tariff, and his tariff was eight years. So now, had he committed that crime, he would be given an eight-year sentence and he'd be eligible for parole at four years. And if they felt he wasn't ready to be released, 
he would know that he was not going to serve more than eight years. At the end of eight years, he would be out of prison. He wouldn't be on license. That would be it. He's done his time. And people say, oh, he's done his time. Matt can never do his time because his sentence goes on until he dies. It is effectively a life sentence. I knew that there were places in the world like Guantanamo where people are held indefinitely. But maybe naively, I had no idea it was happening here. I asked him yesterday when I visited, I said, what's the one thing you would like people to understand? And he said, it's mental torture because I have no lights at the end of the tunnel. So like parole is supposed to be every year, but because of the shortages and he had to have psychiatric reports done, there weren't the people to do it. So it was three years between his parole hearings, you know, and then there's still no guarantee that it will actually happen then. So you're constantly living in this state of, is it going to happen you know, you're already someone who's been disadvantaged in life. You went into care at the age of two. You had a violent mother. Your father died in prison. Your younger sister was adopted at birth. So she's fine, but you're not because you were left with these parents until you were two. And your whole life in Matt's case has been, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. Bad luck, failed adoption, you know, when was it ever okay for him? And I'm sure at one point he was a lovely little baby, like all other babies are. You know, you look down at them and they smile up at you and they reach out to you. And he was that baby once. And I always use the analogy of baby pee. People feel so sorry when they see a toddler like that, you know, that's been hit and maltreated and they want to protect that little child. But at some point, baby P, had he lived, would have become the scum. That is how people describe people like Matt. Because of the way he was treated as a child, he would have become like a dog that's maltreated. He would have been hardened to it. He probably would have been violent. He would have had difficulty having relationships. He probably would have gone to alcohol or drugs. He'd have done all the things that Matt's done because of how he was treated as a child. And at some point, we stop looking at children as someone we want to protect and we start saying it's your fault you shouldn't have done that you should have known better you know right from wrong it's an accepted theory which we as foster carers are taught that babies from the minute they're born are looking to form an attachment to a small number of caregivers it doesn't have to be a parent it, it, it's the person that looks after them it's the person that meets their needs basically so if a baby grows up in a family where their needs are not met or they're met inconsistently. Not nurtured, not held, not sung to, not given eye contact, not done all the things that we think of as a natural thing for a parent to do. That baby will grow up with a brain that looks different to the brain of a child who's been nurtured. If you saw someone with only one leg, would you be shouting at them because they couldn't run as fast as you can? No, you wouldn't, because you would understand that they can't do it. They've only got one leg. When you talk about the fact that 70 or so percent of people in prison have been through the care system, you know, those are the people with one leg. We have the evidence for understanding why particularly boys are that way. The fact that they've had this anxiety all their lives, their brains have been flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone. So they're constantly anxious. They're constantly on their guard. They're constantly looking over their shoulders for something to happen. And they're unable to think through their responses because their brains function in a fight or flight response. When he came out, you know, if he couldn't work his phone, his brain couldn't 
cope with the anxiety he felt of not being able to work it. And before he knew it, the phone's already smashed into pieces on the floor. And he can talk about that. We spoke about it yesterday. But that doesn't stop his brain working that way when it's under pressure. Trauma affects people's physical ability to deal with stress. It's an accepted fact, but it's an inconvenient fact for the prison system because if we were to act on that, we wouldn't be treating prisoners the way we do. Being stuck up in this concrete shed is really getting to me. Surrounded by these straight friends looking to do me. Drive a maloney. I bust a nuts over rice. The thoughts of this case, the thoughts of this place. I got my sticky semen spraying torch in this place. Ten minutes later, I come back to reality. Do you remember what newspaper headlines were? No, I just remember his face was the whole of the front page. Uh, it was probably like Thug or something like that, you know. It was the evening, Plymouth Evening Herald. Thug, stabs, boy scout. Something like that, yeah, because it was a boy scout. I mean, it was a terrible thing to do. And he, um, he talked to he calls me a tree hugger in here. <laughs> a long time ago, I asked Matt to write his life story as he remembered it. So he started off, I was born on... Um, the 8th of September 1989 and put in care age two. I do not remember a lot of my childhood. All I know is I went placement to care home and moved all over at one time about when I was 10. My mum had the chance to, there's no punctuation, have me and my sister back. Um, 92 different placements. Do you think it's too late for Matt to function uh, in society? I don't want to think that. I honestly... I don't want to say that it is because I don't want to believe that. So I'm not going to say that I think it is. Um, Okay. I hope it's not. But they need physical activity. They need an environment that is natural. You know, they've been cooped up in concrete all their lives. Matt has, you know, I, I don't know how many times he's actually picked up a blade of grass. Not very often because he's he's in a concrete cell all the time. You know, put him somewhere where he can groom a horse or grow something or stroke a look after a dog. You know, give people the chance to heal. Because I, you know, I don't think it's too late for him. I think it will be very hard for him in the current system. But I totally think he could have a life in the countryside with animals, things to grow, a quiet, peaceful community, like a monastery type thing, if you like, without the religion. I think he'd be fine think he'd be fine but where do those places exist I don't know what are we trying to achieve here are we trying to make someone's life worse are we trying to pile it on and if so why to make ourselves feel better or because they deserve it or because society will crumble if we don't punish these people or could we actually try and use a bit of evidence scientific evidence as to what works to help people to recover from that kind of trauma why is that such a difficult concept for some people, politicians, whoever, to grasp that actually, you know, taking a child, he was 17 years old, he was legally a child and putting them in a brutal environment where there isn't a tree, there's no flowers, there's no nice food, no one gives you a hug, 
It's, it's people who bully you, who shout at you. It's run like a military regime. How is that going to help? You wouldn't do it to an animal. Why do we think it works with people? I don't get it. I don't understand what drives us to want to treat other people in that way. And I don't think we ask ourselves that question enough. I don't think we ask our politicians. And it frustrates the hell out of me that if you try and have that kind of debate in public, the Daily Mail or whoever else will come down and say, oh, it's a holiday camp in prison and we're too soft on them anyway and what they need is this, that or the other. And it shuts down the whole conversation. And it's just... It's just... It's sad and it's a waste of time and resources. It's a waste of lives. It's a waste of everything. Why are we doing it? You know, it's not fair. I hate unfairness. Mostly I feel, yeah, angry, I suppose. And sort of incredulous. Why are people so stupid? Why can't they see what I can see? Why are they all idiots? Look, just put me in charge. I'll sort it out. <laughs> I'm down for that, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's not rocket science. We could do better than this. Why Why is it so hard? You know, you must feel that all the time. Constantly. Yeah, so come on. Saturday morning, 8am and I'm running around to try to get Tyler to a ballet class. The doorbell rings, which is all I need. I open it and find Ochre, with blue hair, and two police officers. Of course, I assume the worst, but they assure me that she isn't in trouble. They found her on the street without a coat and it's below freezing. And one of them wonders if she might have a mental health issue. No, she's just... Very, very drunk. Hallelujah. 